All right, I laid some groundwork for what is going to be the shortest topical sermon in terms of the name, title, that I've ever preached. You ready for this? The series that we're jumping into is called Me. Everybody say Me. That's it. It's the Me sermon, all right? But I made up for it with a very long subtitle. So the sermon series is about me and you. But here's the subtitle, Finding the Real You in a Culture of Self-Deception. Finding the Real You in a Culture of Self-Deception. In case you haven't awakened to the strange new world we're living in, our culture today is witnessing a fast and furious transformation in how it understands the nature of human selfhood. In other words, who are you, all right? And how do you differ from me? We never used to have to go here because it used to be pretty obvious about who we are. Uh, there are all kinds of ways we learn to discover our gifts and our talents and our abilities and all that kind of stuff. But we're in a whole different arena now because we're really having to ask the most basic questions in our culture today, like what is the self? What makes me, me? What identity, here's a good one, what identity, if any, do we share as human beings or are we all just unique individuals or do we share anything in common? What makes me separate from you, for instance? And how about this question? We're, de- we're debating this right now as we speak. Does human life have special value and dignity and worth different from any other uh, animal out there? We're, we're arguing that debate right now at the state house. And how about this? This is the deeper question which flows out of identity. What is the purpose of of our existence? You know, we've quickly moved on from homosexuality and lesbianism to a full-throttle push for the acceptance of transgenderism. And so we're asking questions now, for instance, that we've never asked in the history of America. Do we have the power and ability or even the right to change our sex? You see, modern self always defers to our feelings. So whatever you feel must be true. And if you're going to be authentic, you must act on what you feel. And so now we're asking the question about, do we have the power as we're forming our identity to be another gender or another sex? Now, how many of you know issues on worldview are critically important because they shape what goes on in real life? And I just want to share a pet peeve with you. You're saying, Pastor, are we really going to go here today and on this series and talking about identity? We're going to go there because it's in all of our faces every single day. And can I just share something with you? Like what, what I'm about to say, just to put things in context, what I'm about to say would get me either fined or put in jail in most of Europe and Canada. So, Pastor, is this sermon all about, is it self-serving? Is it all about you? Yes. No, <laughs> But it's partly about me, but it's more importantly, it's about us, and even more importantly, it's about Him, and it's about His glory. Let me ask you this question. If the church doesn't deal with issues of identity, sexual identity, uh, who we are as human beings, what is our purpose, where are we going? If we don't talk about these issues in the church, where are you ever going to hear God's perspective on these issues? Is the, is the media going to tell you these things? No. I hope you all realize, you know, you say, Pastor, what did you do on your vacation? Are you ready for this? Don't think I'm some egghead or something, but I read a book, multiple books. One of the books was called Robespierre. Anybody know who Robespierre was? He was the architect of the French Revolution. Anybody know how the French Revolution ended? It was a massive bloodbath. It happened right on the heels of the American Revolution, which was rooted in a completely different understanding of freedom and liberty. Ours was a God-centered understanding of liberty and freedom. The French Revolution was a God-hating, antichrist spirit behind the revolution, and it ended in massive bloodshed. Can I just tell you something? The progressive agenda in America today is taking their blueprint from the French Revolution. I was stunned. They're borrowing from the same script. And can I just tell you something? You might not like it. I don't like it. But we don't have an option to not do anything about it. Because these are the times in which we're living. These are the challenges we're facing. These are the lies we must address. And how many of you figured out, you know, this this ticks me off big time, is when preachers isolate the message of the gospel to the hereafter. 
I don't know about you, but I've spent 60 years on planet Earth. I'm raising children and I'm raising grandkids. I care about the environment they're raised in. And I would like to see an America that honors Christ and is a light to the world, not an America that's destroyed and watching uh, our faith being trampled and watching our kids and grandkids suffering because of the lies and the perversions that are out in our culture simply because we decided we wanted to be on the love boat and not the battleship. This is a battleship. And we are called to declare the truth about who God is in the larger culture. And can I just tell you, it's getting increasingly more of a challenge and greater and greater uh, consequences for standing up for truth. Let me pastorally comfort you. So what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like, we're going to get a, a pass uh, because we're Americans, uh, what about the history of, of our forefathers? What about, what about the history of the church and what people have had to suffer and endure for the sake of standing up for truth? So what I'm telling you today, I'm not being cute. The message today from the Bible, from Romans, will get me in prison in most of Europe and in Canada. That's how bad things are. Because the Bible is viewed in those places as hate speech. I, I just want to say, what's happening in America is a battle between two diametrically opposed worldviews. There's no common ground. There is an antichrist spirit that is being pushed in America that's reflected in almost every arena of life right now. And the reason you say, how come they can't get together in Washington? Because oil and water do not mix. You should not expect them to be together in Washington because our nation is divided, because our nation has largely rejected God. And when you reject God, you end up in diametrically opposed places. Just take the issue of life, for instance. Someone said to me, how can you be such a monster to suggest that abortion should be illegal when such and such and such and such? I wanted to respond. Now, by the way, I've learned over time, Facebook is a terrible place for having arguments. Stop it. So I did not have an argument, but I wanted to say, what kind of monster would assume that they have the authority to destroy life created in the image and likeness of God and that you would have the, uh, you would have the uh, idea that somehow you had the power to kill another human being. What kind of monster would think like that? But I refrained because that wasn't the format for it, but I'll share it here with you for all the world to hear because you're coming from two diametrically opposed starting places. There is no room for compromise. And I just want to say that there's no room for compromise. If we don't start putting our foot down on some of these issues and say, stop it, this is nonsense, I'm not participating in this false narrative about about life and about God and about reality, you will pay the consequences. And can I just say that? Just because you go to church does not mean your children and your grandchildren are going to come out of this unscathed because our job is also to take care of the soil of the larger culture so that good things grow up and not weeds. So if I care about my grandkids, I can't allow certain wicked ideologies to be proclaimed in the public marketplace or, or to be pushed down from government and just sit back and go, well, hey, we're just in church and we're singing about Jesus and we're praying. You, it, you have to do more than that. You have to stand. You have to know the truth. You have to proclaim the truth. If you love God and God is truth, you will speak the truth in public, period. You, have, you can't just say, I love the Lord. To love God is to love what's true. And to the degree that we love what's true and hate what's false, that's what determines the authenticity, the genuineness of your love for God. So we can't just run around giving purple unicorn stickers on people and say, we're the church, we just love everybody. Stop it, that's not loving everybody. You're killing people. Your silence is killing people. And it grieves my heart because I know even, just as a preface, as I'm getting into this series, There are people in this church whose families have been touched by the issues I'm going to talk about. And I just want want to hear that this message is a message of hope and of life, maximum life, of freedom, of liberty, of joy, of finding our true purpose and identity so we could be all that God's called us to be. This is not a message against anybody. This is a message for everybody. There's a big difference. Thank God the media's not here. It wouldn't have come out that way. I would have been anti this and anti that and phobic this and phobic that. But let, let me just bring it on home. This was a, a, uh, an ideology that was put forth in a book directed towards four-year-old children called the Gender Fairy. All right? It tells children 
Only you know whether you are a boy or a girl. No one can tell you that. Now, I don't know when's the last time you entrusted those types of identity issues to four-year-olds who are just learning how to be potty trained. But everything about this statement goes against our worldview. And there should be a sense of, of revolt, ugh, of anger, of, of, uh, of spiritual violence. I say spiritual because we're not talking about violence against people. I'm talking about violence against ideas. Like how dare you pollute the minds of four-year-olds with this type of wicked, godless, antichrist uh, thinking. And yet I'm telling you, it's happening everywhere. It's happening in even the most conservative communities. So I want us to understand the challenges before us so we can appropriately respond to them. And here's my goal. In fact, how many, how many teenagers are out here? Wave at me if you're a teenager or younger. Teenager or younger, all right? You guys need to listen and take notes and get grounded in your worldview because this is in your face every day, popular culture, uh, many times public schools. Uh, it's in your face. And you need to know this because the devil's out to destroy your life. We're not, we're not talking about small uh, stakes here. These are huge stakes. And, uh, and so I feel the need to spend some time talking about this whole idea of finding the real you in a culture of self-deception. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse, we'll begin with verse 18. On the issue of sexual identity, is this determined by inner desires of the individual or by the good design of the Creator? In other words, is it preference or is it providence? How do you determine who you are and where your identity comes from? In Paul's letter to the church here in Rome, I believe that he helps us to see the roots of our cultural confusion over the issue of identity because he lays down two foundational lies that I want to touch on this morning. And by the way, this is just kind of an overview. I'm going to whet your appetite for where we're going from here. Um, but we're going to start here in Romans 1. Take a look with verse uh, 18, and we'll read together. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Can, can I just stop right here? God's anger is not directed at the people. It's directed at the suppression of truth. Everywhere where truth is shrouded in our culture, we should be working hard to expose the lie and to speak the truth. How I many you know speaking the truth takes guts? It takes big guts, especially today. You'll be called every kind of name. Uh, people will, you might get a pink slip. You might be called uh, this phobe or that phobe. It takes guts to stand up for the truth. How many of you, I'm becoming a Michigan Wolverine fan, all right? You know why I'm becoming a Michigan Wolverine football fan? Because their coach had enough guts at a liberal stronghold, brain-dead institution to speak out and say, our family supports life, and we'll take any unwanted children. Our family will personally raise them. I'm a Michigan Wolverine football fan because of Jim Harbaugh right now. Now, now who in their right mind could argue against the family saying, no, don't kill the baby. We'll take the child into our family. Who could argue against that? We should be celebrating that. But the whole institution is up in arms. This is what I'm talking about. It's insanity. And you need to say, I'm not participating in the insanity any longer. How many of you saw the, the vice president of the United States just started a meeting with global leaders by introducing herself with her personal pronouns and identifying herself by what coat she was wearing. Like, people don't know. She's the vice president of the United States of America. If you start participating in the personal pronoun game, you've already lost the battle. You just say, excuse me, I'm not participating in insanity. I'm not participating in insanity. The emperor is naked. Someone should tell him, all right? The emperor has no clothes. The emperor is naked. And if you keep going along and say, oh, I love your dress, you're participating in insanity. It takes guts to stand up for truth. God says he shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God, 
because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see, this is amazing, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, here, now here's what's important. God has designed the created world, nature, to teach us important things about him, and you ready for this? To teach us important things about sex. Nature teaches us about sex. Yes, God says nature, if you study what's around you, you will learn the nature of reality. You'll understand God's invisible, unseen qualities by looking around you. And you'll understand, first of all, what it means to be a man or a woman and how to express yourself sexually just from nature. In fact, God says it's so obvious you have to suppress it and pretend like it's not there, but God's smarter than you, and he's going to hold us all accountable for the truth that we suppressed because he says, I've given enough clues around there for you to know that there's an amazing God out there uh, that you should be worshiping and honoring him with your life. This is pretty serious stuff. Nature was designed to teach us about God. That's why all this stupid stuff about Earth Day, Mother Nature, blah, 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 I just want to puke. I just spent a whole week sucking on paper straws that don't work very well, all right? Because I couldn't even drink my smoothie because I'm sucking on a paper straw. Because we're going to save Mother Earth. This is stupid. This is paganism. It's paganism. Sorry, I'm just letting some of my frustrations out. Nature is what's called general revelation. The word revelation is an important word. Revelation means to remove the veil. Revelation reminds us we can't know a thing about God or about ourselves if God doesn't speak. It takes God to know God. So I mean, you know, if we know God here today, it's an act of his mercy and grace. That's why we praise him. So the earth was created by God to reveal important things about God. So don't worship Mother Earth and stop having Earth Day. Every day should be Worship Jesus Day and give Him Glory Day. But the Bible actually says that you can discover invisible qualities of God through the physical arena around us. Let me give you an example. Like I could spend a whole series on this because uh, there's so much truth here. But for instance, beauty. How many of you appreciate beauty? I mean, I made sure when there's sunsets going on, when I was raising my kids, we stopped and we looked out the back sliding door and we said, God is awesome. Look at that one. Try to paint that one. Are you with me? When you go on vacation, we usually go to beautiful places. Why do we go to beautiful places? Because it, it's relaxing. It's refreshing. It inspires us. What does it inspire? It inspires worship. It makes us stand in awe of the beauty of God. But how about this? How about things like order, complexity? How about characteristics like wisdom, power, authority, eternality, the goodness of God, the greatness of God? In fact, this is amazing. In verse 20, there's a Greek word, a poema that's used. It's where we get our English word poem. God says this, the universe is a poem that he has written about himself. When you walk outside, we were enjoying a beautiful Indiana night last night, sitting on our back porch. The breeze was blowing. It was incredible. Uh, beautiful sunset. What do you do? You just say, God, what, a, what an incredible God you are. And what a beautiful poem that you've written for us to see you and to enjoy you. In fact, listen, God expects us to see it. This word poem, a poem the, 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 the Greek word is used twice, it's also used for God's recreation of you and I. We are his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has in advance planned for us to walk into. In other words, there's two, two places where God uses that word poem. It's the created realm, and it's the recreated, redeemed people of God. I mean, you know, the person sitting next to you is a unique poem written by God for his glory. This is so good. Every baby in the womb is a uniquely 
design poetry poem written by God, that child has a masterpiece with an incredible destiny in God. So nature is poetry. It's God writing about the beauty of who he is. In fact, look what Psalm 19 says. Now, I got, I got in late Saturday or Friday night. There's no artwork yet. It's coming. It's going to be amazing. There's no fancy PowerPoint because I was on vacation. But there is the Bible, and you can open it up and turn to it, all right? Lest you forget. Old school. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Oh, this is so good. I was reading about... Uh, uh, Napoleon. Of course, Napoleon was not a great godly man, and most, and most of France at the time were God-haters. And some of those God-haters were on a ship that Napoleon was on, and they were talking about how they didn't believe in God, they were atheists, blah, blah, blah. And Napoleon walked alongside of them at that very point of the conversation, and he said, wait, before you continue with this conversation, first of all, you have to get rid of these. And he pointed to the starry sky that was overhead as that ship was out at sea. He said, first of all, before you get rid of God, you've got to get rid of these. Because how do you explain the precision? How do you explain the order? How do you explain the laws that are happening in the sky around you? Where did all that come from? How many of you know God expects us to take notice? He expects rational people created in his image to take notice of these things and not to suppress the truth. How many of you know evolution is a lousy theory that's not rooted in science, it's full of problems, but listen, it's the best thing ungodly people have if they suppress the truth of God. It's their best thing they got going. Somebody should just tell them that. If you're, if you, listen, if you're a young person in school, you should be saying these things out loud just for fun. You only get to go to high school one time. <laughs> I got to be, when I was at Lake Central, this actually happened. One of my God, godless teachers was teaching something that was not biblical. And I evidently, my body language showed through. I was trying to be respectful, but I did an eye roll or something. He knew I was a Christian. He says, so Johnson, Johnson. Obviously, you don't agree with what I just said. And I said, no, I don't. And it had to do with marriage and some of those things. I started teaching a marriage seminar in my English classroom and all of the students were firing questions at me and because one godless instructor who was mocking marriage and mocking the Bible gave me the floor, I just took over the classroom with the help of the Holy Spirit and started educating. So my point is, it's more fun to be a rebel for Jesus than just your ordinary run-of-the-mill rebel. Those are not good. But be a righteous rebel for Christ. Know what you believe. When somebody says something that's a lie, call them out. Establish yourself as a young person who loves Christ and who's not ashamed of the gospel, who's operating in their right mind. Be bold with these things. This is your hour. The heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord and the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and all their words to all the world. Every day when the sun rises, God's speaking and the poem is being written. When the sun sets, the, the starry skies, the moon at night. Every day surrounding us, the glory of the Lord everywhere, preaching, 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 preaching. In fact, I love what George Washington Carver said, the famous chemist and educator. He said, nature is an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if we will only tune in. And listen to me. God says, I'm holding you accountable for tuning in. And not one person will stand before the Lord on the great day and say, well, you know, God, I just wish you would have given me more proof. You know, I, was, I wasn't an atheist. I was just an agnostic. The word ag agnostic means without mind. So what you're basically saying is you are a mindless buffoon. That's not something you want to say before God on the great day, all right? So we don't want to go up there and play dumb because God says you can't play dumb. I've been screaming at you every second of your existence, but you're not tuning in. And he tells why we're not tuning in. The problem is not mental. The problem is heart. We suppress the truth about this amazing, loving, kind, gracious, smart God because of the authority issue. And it's interesting that in this passage, what what follows God's revelation in nature about himself 
is God's revelation of sexual expression. Now, what would sex have to do with God? What would sexual expression have have to do with the knowledge of God? Why in the same passage? Well, we'll get to there. So here's the choice that we have before us. We can either worship the creator or we can worship his creation. God says we're without excuse. That word without excuse in the Greek means apologia. It means we have no legal defense in God's courtroom. That's not a good place to be without legal defense. How many of you know Jesus took our place? He took our sin. He took our shame. He defended us so that in God's courtroom we're, 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 we're clean. All right, We're free. But apart from Jesus, in the courtroom of heaven, you have no defense. And that's not a good place to be. Look what it says in verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And instead, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, here's two logical responses to the knowledge of God. Number one, he says, if you truly know and recognize God, you're going to honor him and worship him. Now, can we just pause here? Hopefully, our behavior here on Sunday morning gives credence to the fact that we recognize that there is a great and awesome God, and we're here to honor Him and worship Him. Can can I just remind us of, of why we come to church? It's not, first and foremost, about our needs. It's, first and foremost, about His greatness. Which is why I love this. The, the, the songs we sang this morning, I don't like micromanage the worship team. I don't have them play my favorites every Sunday, just so you all were probably wondering that. They just seek the Lord. And when I heard the song set for the first time this morning, I'm over there crying because they were singing the heart of Romans 1. It was amazing. I was wiped out. I was like, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. Why do we worship? Because it's what we were made to do. And I don't know about you, but sometimes... This body is just so lame. I try to raise my hands. I wish I could raise them higher. I try to extend my arms. I wish I had bigger arms. I try to sing as loud as I can, but it hurts people. I, 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 uh, I try to, to dance, but I'm pale skinned. I got no rhythm. I try, I try to do all kinds of things, and my body just seems so limited. But my spirit is exploding inside of me because I just want to honor him and thank him and worship him. I'm so grateful for all he's done for me, and I want to know him. That's worship. And listen, everybody has a choice. Everybody has a choice to either do that or just push the beach ball and hold it under the water as long as you can. Suppress the truth in ungodliness. And the second thing you do is you give him thanks. That's why, listen, I was just thinking, when it comes time to tangibly give him thanks, we we sing to him, right? We also give to him. We also serve with our lives. God said this, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself. Boy, does that go against what our culture teaches. If you want to find yourself, lose yourself. If you want to find fulfillment, give your life away. If you want to know who you are, love God with all your heart and let him reveal who he made you to be. And so burning in my heart today was just the desire. God, how many times do we just not even give you thanks for all the practical things? Like, I'm sure I haven't watched the poetry of God unfold before my eyes. Most of my life, I've probably missed the glory of the Lord. I'm just at this age right now where I want to stop missing what I'm supposed to be catching and where I finally appreciate at this season in a deeper way what, I, what I've been blessed with. And I'm so thankful. And when I look at what's happening in our nation and I see where we're headed, it makes me want to fight harder and honor God more and live more consistently with his truth and love him with all my heart. These things stir up in me because I'm a lover of Jesus and because I've recognized that he exists and he's real and he's awesome. Look at what it says. Uh, in the next verse, i got to hurry, verse 24. I would pray that this would never be spoken over anyone's life in this place or anywhere on planet Earth. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things 
their hearts desired. You know what? When you reject God as your creator, you're being encouraged. We're encouraging our children today that their life is a blank slate and that they're the creator of their lives, that they can create and become whatever they want to be. They can be whatever gender they want to be. They can write their own story with no strings attached. They don't have to report to anybody. Their parents don't matter. Nobody in authority matters. God doesn't matter. They can be their own creators. Boy, that sounds so attractive to unsaved, ungodly, rebellious-hearted people, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. And God says they knew him, but they didn't worship him, and so he abandons them. Now, God's abandonment, I want you to hear this. It's not that God's up here angry, I'm going to abandon all of you. That's not it at all. It's like a parent who's told their child not to do something. Don't. How about this one? Don't touch those Christmas tree lights. Anybody remember the old school lights that would get like so hot they'd cause your tree to burst into flames? Remember those old school lights? My mom and dad were like, don't touch those, but they're so amazing. Don't touch those. And I would walk up and I would look back and then suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And my parents would just go, well, he'll learn once. From that point on, I never had to be told, don't touch the lights. So what does God do? He just says, fine. If you guys want to, you know, become purple unicorns, great. Knock yourself out. See how that works for you. If you want to pretend like whatever you feel on the inside, you want to be a puppy today, just try that out. Be a puppy. Just you create your own reality. God says, fine. Have at it. Follow the desires of your wicked heart and see how it works out for you. So look what happens. They did vile things, degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Can I just tell you, the Green Movement is an antichrist, godless, evolutionary, atheistic movement that's rooted in worshiping the planet instead of worshiping God and worshiping people made in the image of God. You should puke every time someone's shoving that in your face. That was not on my notes, but it's true. (laughs) That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Please listen. Even the women turned against the natural way. Everybody say the natural way. The natural way is the way God designed nature to teach us about himself and to teach us about how men are to relate to to other men and how men are to relate to women. It's the natural way. It's the God way. It's the way God has built into the fabric of the universe. If you reject God, though, then you don't care about any of this. And so look at what God says here. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. In other words, lesbianism, women having sex with other women. And the men, instead of having normal, everybody say normal. The word normal relates to norms. Norms mean they're created standards that God has established for living. When you go against a norm, you end up in perversion, and the end result is death. God has established a normal way for sexual relations. The normal way, he says here, uh, Instead of men having sex with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Can I just say it up front? Lesbianism is a perversion of the divine order. It will not lead to a blessed life. It will lead to perversion and brokenness. Homosexuality is a sin before God. It destroys people's lives. It is not you fulfilling who you are. It's not you being authentically you. It is an expression of perversion, and it will kill you, and it will destroy your soul. What I just told you will get me arrested in countries in Europe and Canada and soon in America. But it's the truth, so I don't care. It's the truth. God says, from watching nature, I can figure out my sex life. 
Now, let me just quickly say, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction, God can heal you, and God can give you liberty and freedom there. If there are any folks in this room, Marion had an Uncle Hal. Some of you knew Uncle Hal. He spent years of his life living a blatant homosexual lifestyle before he met Jesus and was delivered, and then he was happily married for the remainder of his life. God can deliver us from every kind of sexual perversion. But let me add, it's not just same-sex perversion. It's perversion of the sexual nature outside of marriage and on the marriage covenant. I mean, let's talk to a generation today. You know, it used to be when people like us started talking about sexual morality in public, everybody on the left would say, stay out of my bedroom. Keep out of my life. Stay. Now the, the feminist movement with the abortion thing, keep your hands off my ovaries. Well, I'm not touching your ovaries, but I am telling you that life is sacred. They would say, stay out of our bedrooms. Have you noticed how that's turned upside down right now? You cannot talk to, to a godless person today without some public expression of their sexual orientation. As if we care. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. Keep it to yourself. We have a whole month now dedicated to this being pushed in our face. You're telling me stay out of your bedroom. You're wearing your bedroom on your sleeve now like it's a badge of honor. Can I, can I just share one nugget here for you? You are more than your sexual desires. In fact, listen to me. If you're primarily identified through what you lust after and through sexual passion, you're like an animal. You're more than your sexual passions. You're more than your sexual desires. And I would just like to tell the rest of the world, we don't need to hear about it. I mean, when you start off a business interview by having to identify your pronouns, for God's sake, where do we leave our brains? This is insanity. When we have to celebrate people because of their authentic choices that they make that are perverted, we're in a decadent, wicked culture. But here's my, here's my question. I'm not just up here ranting and raving about it. What do we do about it? First of all, we have to declare the truth. Yes, we declare it in a loving way because anybody who embraces a lie gets destroyed. And, and there is a judgment coming. This should put the fear of God in us. That we would act in ways that are inconsistent with what God has said. And can I remind you, this is not Pastor Ron's opinion. Anytime I stand in this pulpit, it should be, thus saith the Lord. There's only one opinion that matters. But God is serious about sexual perversion. And the judgment of God comes when he takes his hand off of a nation that's immersed in sexual sin. And he lets, us, he lets it go run the course, all right? He lets it run the course. Let me finish this up. It says, the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with the women, they burned with lust for each other. They did shameful things. And as a result of the sin, they suffered with the penalty they deserved. Now, how many of you know fall is coming? And it's time for the new epidemic. But how many of you know the old epidemic wasn't really about public health. It was about government control. It was about the trampling of your liberties. It was about a, it was about a global crisis uh, that became the guise. Because how, how do you argue with someone saying, we're doing this to help you? Or how do you argue with that? We're doing this because we care. But it's the new one coming. It's the monkeypox. Now, I mean, this is almost laughable, except it's not, because the World Health Organization has already issued, uh, they're ramping up, all right? And, and, and does anybody know where monkeypox comes from? It comes from men having sex with men. That's how it's spread. So we have a disease that is created, not because God punishes people with disease, but we have a disease that's created from people who aren't watching the, the, the poem of God being written around them and who are acting in ways that the Bible says are, are disastrous. That it brings death and destruction, and it's the sign it's rooted in a rejection of God and God's order. It is Antichrist rebellion against God. That's the root of this. And when you act that way, you break out with boils that are pus-filled all over your body because men are not supposed to have sex with men. Amen. 
And when they do, bad stuff happens. Not because God does it to them, but because they weren't paying attention to the poetry that's being written all around them. And the poetry has become a dystopian novel that's full of horror. No, it's not the Christians that are the dystopian novel. It's the godless who create a world that is absolute hell and full of pain and misery because they reject God and they reject God's truth about sexual expression. Now, this is serious stuff. And I just want to tell you, just to be clear again, because if you can become part of our church, get your seatbelt on. We're not the love boat church. There's a lot of those out there. We're the battleship church. Ready for this? The World Health Organization has zero authority over Livingstone's church or the church of Jesus Christ. Zero. Zero, 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 zero. Amen. Amen. I got more. The United States president has zero authority over the local church of Jesus Christ. And the governor of Indiana has zero authority over the local church of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. So, I'm just warning you. Fall is coming. The next globalist-created crisis this is probably already been thought out. The media is part of the problem. I hope you've turned it off a long time ago. And we're staying open. We're moving forward. We're preaching the gospel. We're, we're resisting tyranny. We're doing all those things. Amen. And uh, so we're buckling up because guess what? We're, we're, if we keep our mouths shut, do you think this is going away? If we don't start getting involved in our school systems with people that say, you know what, we're not teaching that nonsense in our school with our kids. It takes school board leadership to have that kind of courage. And it takes courage. I'm watching carefully. I need, I need to just quickly here give praise where praise is due. Our state senator, Rick Niemeyer, voted for the bill that was to fix all the problems with Senate Bill 1, which is a horrifically bad bill. Rick Niemeyer voted for the fix. He needs to be celebrated. You need to call him up. You need to say thank you for standing for life because he was one of the few that stood for fixing this terrible bill to bring some, uh, fix the holes and all the loopholes that were in this bill, even as it is now. You need to be watching. I encourage you, watch your state representative. Watch their vote now because it's in the House. What is the bill? Where do they stand on it? Are they, are they aggressively pro-life? Are they standing? This is, a, this is a watershed moment. Heaven and earth are watching. What are they doing? I just want to say this publicly. This administration in Washington, D.C. is wicked to the core. And, uh, and we need to do whatever we can to replace them as soon as we can. God help us uh, for the next two years or whatever. But the, why do I say, why would you say that, Pastor? Why are you being political? I'm not being political. I'm being prophetic. Look at what is being promoted in this nation and compare it with the Word of God and tell me another word for it. It is wicked and evil and perverted. We should be resisting it at every stretch. We should be standing up for righteousness. And listen, we've got to get involved. What's being taught in your school to your children? Are they bringing home the, the gender unicorn? Are they learning their preferred pronouns? Uh, are they being groomed for uh, sexual expression that's perverted? What's, what's being taught in your school? What are your children getting? You know, we just had this discussion on our back porch the other day. I said, you know, hon, I wonder what's next for Living Stones. I wonder if we're supposed to get involved in education. I don't know where all this is going. And Marion pointed out, you know, she said, a lot of these big shopping malls are closing down. And uh, I said, good point. I really think we'll be buying some shopping malls. I believe, how I mean, I mean, you know, the goal is never to roll over. You always try to reform what is, exists. You always try to be salt and light. But when you realize that somebody has a different agenda than you and, and, uh, and you're forced to make a decision, you don't 
pout and sit in the corner. You create new stuff. You create new ideas. You create new programs. You create new schools. You, you, you become salt and light wherever you are. You do what you're called to do. But you don't quit. You get involved. And, uh, and you know what? There's so much gold in this room. We're talking about identity. There are people in this room that are so incredibly anointed and gifted by God. I thank God we're living in a time that calls forth greatness. I, I thank God we're living in a time that calls forth courage. You know, courage feels good. It feels good to stand for truth. It feels really good. I encourage you guys, make sure you know what that feels like, all right? This is a time to be courageous. Young people at school, are you opening your mouth in your classroom? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing biblical truth about issues in your classroom? Now's the time to shine. Now's the time to shine. All right, you guys survived that first. This is just the first volley. Everybody okay? Everybody all right? <laughs> I didn't finish the whole passage, but I want to give one sentence, one verse, 32. God says, they know that God's justice requires that those who do these things, in other words, performing in these evil, God-suppressing, wicked ways, they deserve death, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. I love the message paraphrase. It says, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. They hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. Isn't it insane when the woman of the year is actually a confused man? We hand out prizes to those who do the worst things, the most evil things best. If that's not where we are right now, and I would just say, you know, thank God for every woman in this room, even if you were unsaved, godless woman, for the sake of womanhood, you should be fighting against the transgender ideology because it is a destruction of womanhood. It's a destruction of manhood too, but it's a destruction of everything female. Every, every feminist on planet Earth should be fighting against this ridiculous nonsense that's being spewed at us from every direction for the sake of what it means to be a woman. And we're at a point today when we cannot even define what is a woman. We're talking about identity. We're talking about personhood. We're talking about me. We're talking about you. If you can't even define what a man is or what a woman is, we're in a deep, dark, crazy, mixed up, confused place. But thank God for the church. I believe, again, we're being set up for a great move of the Holy Spirit. And please hear me, this message is serious. It's hard to preach about God abandoning people, God holding us without excuse to, when we stand before him. I know these are serious things. But I'm sharing this not out of a heart of anger. I'm sharing this out of a heart that says we love people. And I don't want anybody. I, I thank God I'm not going to be standing before him without excuse. I'm going to be standing clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How about you? But I want to see everybody clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How about we make it hard for people to go to hell in northwest Indiana? And how about we make it really hard for perversion to find its way into our institutions in this area? Government, schools, church, the marketplace. I mean, no, everywhere we go, this stuff is happening. It takes people of courage to stand. And I've shared with you before, that's the, that's the reason a lot of you are here. That's the reason a lot of you have applauded. You're in a place where when it hits the fan, you're not going to be standing alone. I give you my word as your pastor. You're not going to be standing alone. We will be standing with you, all right? Uh, so stand and be courageous. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Let me, I want our team to come up to pray, but listen, I mean this sincerely. There's so much sexual brokenness in our world today. There's sexual brokenness in this room today. And the call is not just for sexual brokenness, but that's what we talked a lot about. It's also a message today about quit suppressing the truth about what you know to be is right and submit your life to an amazingly good and kind and awesome Father who loves you. 
This is about finding your purpose, knowing who you are. Every young person in this room, I just want to encourage you guys. Now is the season of surrender to Christ fully of your life. Some of you are at the most strategic moments in your life. You're going through high school. You're getting ready to graduate. Maybe you have graduated. The whole world is ahead of you, and God never intended for you to try to figure it out on your own. He designed you. Your identity and your purpose come from Him. And, and discovering that in Him is one of the most incredible moments of your life. It keeps you from wasting your life. Today is a great Sunday to submit yourself to God to give him your life, just to cry out and say, God, I honor you, I love you, I worship you, I belong to you, define me, tell me who I am, what I've called to be, what is, it? What is the poetry that you wrote over my life when you thought of me and when I was knit together in my mother's womb? God, show me what that is. That's an exhilarating, awesome discovery that God's waiting for you to have. It all starts at a place of surrender. You know, sexual sin is not just homosexuality, lesbianism, um, bisexuality. We got all kinds of, it's anything outside of the bounds of the marriage covenant. So I encourage you, if you're in this room today and you've been involved in in premarital sex, you've been involved in, in anything that God has said is not the normal way that you repent and you just say, God, forgive me. God, wash me. Lord, I want to be right with you. I'm talking about, again, still battling pornography addiction in your life. Get desperate with this stuff. Get, get serious with this stuff. It will destroy your life. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to you this morning. We submit to your truth, O oh Lord. We give you praise for who you are. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you, Lord, that you didn't stay silent, but you're talking to us all the time. And Lord, we want to listen better because we want to give you glory. So Father, help us. Help us be the solution to a broken and godless culture, Lord. And most of all, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Pour out your spirit in our region. Let there be a great awakening, Lord even right here in Northwest Indiana. We love you, we honor you, we submit to you, Lord. We give you praise in your mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Hey, have a great day. We love you guys. If you need prayer, come on down.